Welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Show, where we interview global thought leaders on business, leadership, and life. Here's your host, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and chief burnout officer of the Breakfast Leadership Network, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Rico Nassal on the line. Rico, how are you? I'm good. Good. How are you this morning? I am doing really well. been looking forward to this conversation. We lined this up as we were joking in the pre-show. It feels like 2015, which would be impressive because I didn't start the show till 2017, but <laughs> here we are. So for those that uh, don't know you, why don't you share a little bit about you and then we'll dive into the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Rico Nassal. Um, I've been a creative executive for the last 20 years. I spent most of my time at Zappos and Netflix. At Zappos, I was employee number 40. Um, and I had to scale and I founded the creative and content team there. It was, I guess, a theme in my career because at Netflix, I was there for nine years, did the same thing. I founded and headed their Netflix creative studio. And so what I do now is I started leaning into the coaching and leadership aspects of that because I had to scale to 200 people, seven countries. And in doing that, I had to build my own leadership teams. And so I found myself leaning more into building more leaders around me. And so I decided to leave Netflix in 2021 and start my leadership coaching business. So now I focus on training the leaders of tomorrow and building them up and helping them build the confidence, clarity, and culture they need to be successful. I love that you recognize that by building up leaders as part of your team, it probably not that you didn't have enough work to do, but it probably made it just a little bit easier because you've empowered your people to lead and take charge of things because that's how you can scale organizations to multiple countries and rapid growth and you know the fact that you were employee number 40 at zappos and you know we we know what you know that company is and and of course doing the same thing at netflix we certainly know who they are uh and you'd have to you know just completely avoid media not to understand what netflix does uh but the fact that you were in you know both of those uh, organizations in the early days and, and obviously watch it, you know, grow and expand to, you know, na- you know, household names and, you know, you know, just gigantic companies m- making a huge impact on people. It, it's got to be gratifying for you. And I, also just another thing to commend you on too. And I want to hear your thoughts on this is, you know, the fact that you, you did all these things and then you said, you know what, I can do that at Netflix too. Cause you, you picked up tools along the way. So what was that process like as you were building things up and recognizing, okay, I need to make my leaders leaders and, you know, to scale this thing to where we need it to get. Yeah. Um, great question. It, it, I had a lot of mistakes along the way and that's where I built this course, right? Because there's no perfect way to be a leader. And I, I would say I'm a, product of my environment. I think that's how all of us are. So <clears throat> I was uh, the drum major in my marching band, which like I was the number one band geek. I played a lot of sports. And then I, I was lucky enough to work for, with Tony, Tony Shea, the late Tony Shea, who really was the embodiment of like, empowering others. So I w- it was good because my first experience was in an environment that true autonomy, true empowerment. And in between, I didn't mention the stops in between, because that's where I learned what toxic environments were like. Um, so taking the good that I found at Zappos, it took me a while to find Netflix because I, you know, 
Zappos was, was in Las Vegas. I was married. We wanted to live back in California. And I found a few bumpy spots along the way. And so I found micromanagers. I found toxic leaders. And nobody goes out and says like, hey, I want to be a toxic leader. You know, I want to create toxic environments. But like I mentioned, people are products of their environment. So if they don't know any better, and a lot of these companies don't have great training programs, what I've seen is a lot of companies will take the best performing IC who's maybe good at the process and promote them as their leader. And it's one thing to manage process, but as we all know, leadership is about leading people. And so if, if you just were in charge of process, great. But if you need to inspire and motivate people, nobody's training these folks how to do that. So one of the things I had to learn was, one, I can't do my old job and my new job at the same time. So I needed to find people to do the stuff I used to do and then really build succession plans. Train your replacements. If you can train your replacements, that means one, you can move on to do other jobs. You could get promoted yourself. And then two, if you wanted to take a break, because I know you focus a lot on burnout. If you want to take a vacation, who's going to do your job when you're gone for a week, right? If you don't have a good succession plan. So those are probably the biggest things I learned. And if I can leave my job and the business doesn't skip a beat, that means I was successful. It's so important. And so many organizations, they, they don't invest any time in training and they've made the mistake time and time again. Okay, you were amazing as a product development person. Okay, you're going to lead the department now. Well, I've never led a person in my life. I don't even have kids. So what's... What's this going to be like? And you'll do it because you know the product. Well, you're not, like you said, uh, and I appreciate you said this, you're not leading the product. You're leading people. You're not doing the work anymore. You are leading people that are doing that work. And often there's the, you know, the inner struggle of, no, it should be done this way. And there's multiple ways to get to an end result. So, the great leaders that I've encountered, once they become great leaders, um, some are, I don't want to say some are born, but some have some attributes that make them gravitate to be better at leaders than others. Doesn't mean people that don't have that can, you know, they can be a great leader. It's something they have to learn and, and study from the greats and, and research and, you know, don't be a follower as Jim Rohn has said, you know, make your own decision, you know, so take, take some ingredients from all the great leaders or the people that you admired or your former bosses and use some of those components in your leadership style. And you'll be amazing at it because it's got some principles of leadership, but it's also got you in there. And I, that makes it so much easier, but organizations don't invest time in, in training their leaders. So, the leaders have to do it themselves, or it's trial by fire, or if they're talking with peers. But a lot of times they're so overwhelmed with all the workload and the struggle of um, leading and not doing. Uh, it's it's such a difficult challenge for so many people. And that's why we see all the problems we're seeing in workplaces, whether it's micromanagement, stress, burnout, retention issues. All of these things are playing a part and a big component of it from my standpoint is just improper or bad leadership and it's like you said earlier too and i want to commend you on this as well most people i mean there are some but most people don't set out to say you know what i'm going to be a bad leader i'm going to be a micromanager i'm going to just annoy the heck out of these people that's not their intent you know many of them are internally drowning you know they're they're fear they're scared they they they're you know basically putting on a, a fake face to say I have to show myself as being a strong leader. It's like, well, 
you know, you need to be who you are. So you're not fighting this internal battle of trying to pretend to be somebody that you're not. Be you and figure out your leadership style that can help motivate and grow the business. Yeah, I'm so glad you said that because that's one of the things I like to focus on in my my coaching practice and in my course is <clears throat> leadership is about authenticity, right? Like you can't be something you're not. And you said something there when, you know, leaders are born. I do believe leaders are born. Some people say like leaders aren't born, leaders are made, but I believe leaders are born because we all have innate skills and strengths. And it's about fostering those strengths and bringing those things out and knowing that they ha- they bring value to the organization, the team and, and whatever. And the thing that gets a lot of people hung up is we talked about this in the pre-show, whether they have imposter syndrome, they have low self-worth, they don't have confidence in themselves, they don't believe that they have value. And if you start to get into that negative self-talk, that's when you start to make the mistakes as a leader. You start to take on too much, you start to information hoard, you start to do the things that aren't natural, but because we're afraid of failing, we're afraid of making a mistake, we're afraid of the team looking bad. If the team makes a mistake, that means I made a mistake, that means I'm a bad leader. But when you hold on so tightly, that's when we start to fail our teams. It's when you let them tear what you said earlier. There's no, you just need to tell them, get from point A to point B. You figure out how you get there. I'm just, I just want to make sure we get to point B. And when folks have like these, this fear of failure, they hide behind things like perfectionism. They hide behind things like, oh, we, I want to add more rigor. And when I, when people say they want to add more rigor, secretly they a lot of them are saying oh i just need more people so i can make a decision through consensus because they're afraid to make a mistake and so there's these things start to creep out unknowingly and it takes someone to recognize oh actually i want to be a better leader just to say okay i have imposter syndrome i have these things and and it takes a it's hard to admit it but once you can admit that that's when the doors open to great leadership it's really important. I know John Maxwell talks about this a lot, you know, in his book, Sometimes You Win, Sometimes You Learn. You know, going back to, you had mentioned it earlier about, you know, the, the stops in between Zappos and Netflix weren't the greatest and we don't need to pay any attention or mention any names or anything like that. But those are learning experiences. And I tell people, it's like, if everything was smooth and easy, we wouldn't be challenged. We wouldn't grow. And I know a lot of people you know, use the adage, no pain, no pain. And it's just natural. We want to avoid it where our bodies are kind of designed to avoid discomfort and pain whenever we can. But it's those things that provide clarity and it gives you opportunity saying, okay, now I know that working in this particular sector or maybe this particular area most of the companies behave this way. All right, maybe I should look elsewhere to work or maybe change industries or take a step back and go, all right, maybe I need to regain some things, especially if there's a confidence issue. And I, you know, I even did this in my career earlier on where, you know, I was in leadership roles, had a setback and was looking for new roles. And one of the things I did, and, you know, not everybody will do this, but for me, it's like, you know what, I'm going to take a part-time role doing something that I did years ago. So, you know, we're, I want to say bottom of the ladder, but it was lower and it was more of a, for me personally to say, yeah, I've got the confidence. I've got the skills get really good. It was so funny too, because this organization said, 
you've got management material or you're, you're really good. And not knowing that, you know, and I didn't lie in my resume. I just, you know, just didn't go into great details as far as titles and all of that. But I'm like, I used to run a department like this with three times the number of people that you have in here. So I know everything there is to know about it, but I didn't tell them that. I just said, thank you very much. I really appreciate that. And just continue to get good at it again, just to kind of build up my um, self-courage and remind myself of who the heck I was. And then, you know, right shortly after that, then the doors opened up, as you mentioned before, to a position that was a whole lot better um, in my wheelhouse where my skill set was, but also challenged me into d- learning some new things. And it was just one of those, you know, it's not a straight line. Sometimes you can go, okay, let's take a step back, kind of regain things and then okay let's get back into the game and there's nothing wrong with that it's actually really good because it reinforces some things and it may you know you may determine go you know what i actually like working in this industry again so maybe i'll do that it's it's our playground we can do whatever we want and as leaders you have that autonomy to do that but as great leaders you allow your people to do that as well yeah that's a great point and yeah to your point when you step back it kind of gives you another perspective Right. So there was, there's a few types of people I work with. There's some in particular that feel like, oh, the only way to grow is through people management. And I had many leaders on my team that didn't manage any people, but they were mentors that rest of their peers saw them as leaders. And I always made sure that there was a high level IC path, an individual contributor path, because there's only so many manager, people manager roles, right? You can't just make some. So in some cases, you find ways to elevate others where they don't necessarily have to go into people leadership, but they're seen as leaders. Um, and then there's other folks t- to what you mentioned where, and, and also I wanted to bring up is taking that step back to change perspective. I had to do that myself. Um, and I'll tell a story, a little story at Netflix where w- we would do quarterly offsites for, for quarterly planning. And it's like a bunch of VPs and we're in there. And I'm like one of the, I was only one of the only creative executives in this meeting and so i had to shift myself because in my mind i'm like why am i in this meeting like everybody here is like business owners and like whatever they then i'm like i'm a creative and so during the break i had to shift myself and say why why am i in this room what what does it mean that i'm in this room and when i answer that it's like i'm the only creative in this room that means if i don't say anything i'm letting down all the creatives in the organization because my voice is probably the most important because it's the least represented. And so by shifting that mindset and helping a lot of my clients shift that mindset is your voice is probably the most important, especially if you're the only one representing that function in the room. So look at it that way and share your perspective, share your voice, share the things that you're thinking, the questions that you have. And I went from not saying much and being scared to say something not smart to know my perspective and my opinion is important. I love that you basically reframed the question. Your first instinct was, why am I in here? And you reframed it to is, what's the reason why I'm in here? And the reason is because they need me to share from my perspective um, and my background that they don't necessarily have some insights that they're not going to see, which is going to strengthen whatever initiatives the organization as a whole is trying to roll out. You know, you, you know, the ideas that you provided 
literally could have created additional millions, if not billions in revenue. And if you weren't in that room, that may not have happened. So you ask you know, basically the same question, why am I in here? But it's why, why am I in here is because I can offer this value and not the self-doubt thing. But you caught yourself and you reframed that thing. So you looked at it from a different perspective and it, you provided a, a ton of value, not taught. I don't know anybody else in that room, but you provided a ton of value, which you know made a huge impact on that organization. And that's again one of those things when we have that self doubt and negative talk and you know imposter syndrome kind of thing. You, you have to for, you know, realize, you know, where have I been? Where am I at now? I mean, I sure if you were, you know, and I'm not picking. I'm not, I'm going to say, I'm not even going to pick a title because I don't want to make fun of any title because every people, every person's work is important. Um, like the old adage when President Kennedy was touring NASA and Cape Canaveral and he walked up to a janitor and he said, Hi, I'm, you know, President Kennedy. You know, what's your name? The guy said his name, said, What do you, you know, what do you do here? And his role was janitor. And he says, I'm, I'm helping put a man on the moon. Yeah. And it's true. Because if, if that space that place wasn't clean, it could create problems for the rockets, which would have created problems, which could have killed astronauts and everything else. So that janitor was true. So it's the same thing. You know, whenever we have that imposter syndrome, remind ourselves we are an important part of this company or of this community or of this country or wherever you happen to be. Uh, it's it, you're everyone here has gifts and you know. And I'm glad you you made the comment about born leaders, and it's definitely for me to reframe that as well personally. So I appreciate that, and thank you for that. But it's so it, it, so many people hold back, and it, once people kind of open up and offer their insights and stuff, all the great innovations and inventions that we've had throughout humanity came about because people opened up and offered their ideas and suggestions because if we didn't you know who knows how behind we would be based on where we are now in the world as far as technology communication transit you name it um those all came from ideas that people spoke up and offered something because if they didn't we wouldn't have anything that we have today yeah absolutely um it just reminded me of of this this story that i that i have and it's actually part of the thing i want to offer to your your audience i know we're going to talk about this later um but i have this journal it's called the crush imposter syndrome journal that we'll we'll give the url later but what it does it, it helps you work through those things because you're right if people didn't speak up then one some things might not have been invented or some terrible inventions might have been stopped <laughs> right um and some of the things that this journal helps you do it asks you it helps you go through what what's triggering your feeling like when you're feeling this imposter syndrome what is it that you're feeling and starts to look at hard facts right so what's what evidence do you have so here's an example right so a person might be saying oh like my i my boss hasn't spoken to me in six weeks right so what somebody could say is like Oh, I must be, he must hate me. I must be, I'm going to get fired because my boss hasn't spoken to me in six weeks. But what could it be? What else could it be? Could it be that your boss is actually really happy with your performance and that he doesn't have to speak to you? Right. So, like, it's all about changing our frame of mind and really understanding what are our triggers and what do we know to be true? 
right? So if you do speak up in that meeting, what can happen? And the things that I used to be afraid of is speaking up in meetings is like, oh, I'm going to say something dumb. Um, someone's going to not like it and I'm going to get fired. And then I have to ask myself, how many times has that happened? Out of the hundreds of times I've, sa- I've said anything, how many times have I said something not smart and gotten fired? Zero. How many times have people nodded their heads and said they agree and like that's said that's a good point? More often than not. So the truth is, the reality is when I do speak, people value the opinion. The fear that I have is that the one time out of a million is going to be that one time where I say something not smart. And that's when we get in our own way. Like we have this, this fear. That's when the imposter syndrome comes out. We think the worst thing will happen. But in, what I'm asking people to do is think is what is the best thing that can happen? Maybe you save the company $2 million, which is a true story for me. Yeah, it's it's fun to save money because for all the accountants and bean counters that listen to the show, they they get this part because so many businesses, and I've done a ton of work in nonprofits, nonprofits are always looking for revenue. They're always looking, how can we raise more money? How can we get more donations? All of that, which is you know a key component for them to address the needs that their particular nonprofit does. But for me, you know, in my original career was accounting, whenever I helped out those organizations, like okay, you have your people that are really good at fundraising and all that stuff, let them be. But let me go look at some cost savings. Let's go see what we can find. And you know, I saved a nonprofit, smaller amount than that, but it was still a quarter million dollars annually on renegotiating some contracts that we were allowed to renegotiate. And by doing that, we were able to launch a new program, hire three people to run that program, and provide additional community service in an underserviced area. That's one of those things that, of all the things that I've done in my career, that's one of those things that I am quite proud of. I'm proud of a lot of things and thrilled that I was given the opportunity to be able to do those things. But that's one that sticks out to me a lot because we didn't let anybody go. We didn't fire anybody. We didn't cut programs. We found some savings and then pass that along into bringing on additional people to do jobs that they love doing and impacting the community. And it can be corporate, it can be nonprofit, it can be in your own home. You know, it's just one of those things where when you find opportunities and you speak up and you say things, it creates opportunities. So take those opportunities to find opportunities and grow as a leader. Doesn't matter where you are in an organization. If your organization doesn't invest in leadership, you can. It's re it's never been easier. If you have a commute, there's YouTube University. You can listen to podcasts like this one or the billion others that are out there. Um, you can read book and you know a good segue and take your course as well. So why don't you share a bit about your course that you have? Yeah. So it's called the seven figure leader. Um, and it goes over the three C's that I developed and I mentioned them earlier um, over the course of my career. So it's focusing on confidence clarity and culture. So those are the three modules. And really, if I was going to say the whole thing is based on confidence, because the first part talks about imposter syndrome, the things that we're afraid of, like a lot of the themes that we talked about today. And the second part in clarity, it really talks about how to set a mission, vision, and their values for your team. Because leaders, as leaders, we're the ones who set that culture, right? And then the last part is the culture piece, where we talk about how to use coaching, mentorship, it kind of ties all the modules together, right? So it's a, it's a 12 week course. You get some one-on-one time with me. 
Um, and I have folks going through it now. And I used it to place a lot of the leaders that are still that I trained at Netflix went through the same exact program during my time there. So it's it's tried and true. It's been tested and proven. Uh, I've made all the mistakes for you, so you don't have to. <laughs> um, you can learn from all the mistakes that I made over the past 20 years. Um, yeah, and then there's a book that's going to be coming out. It's in editing now. Um, so maybe when this is out, by the time this is out, people can pick it up. Um, you can find all that information at riconosol.com. And then the free download that I mentioned for the listeners here for the Crush Imposter Syndrome Journal, it's riconosol.com slash leaders. Um, yeah, you can download it free there. It's a great resource. It's a seven days to crush imposter syndrome journal. I really appreciate that. And I highly encourage everybody listening, go get that resource and, and sign up for the course. And then, you know, when the book uh, gets out, I'll make sure to update the show notes to have a link to the book as well. Cause it's <laughs> leadership is so desperately needed. And even if you're not, you know, a senior VP or a C-suite executive, let's say you're middle management, or maybe you're even on the front lines, you're still a leader of life. You're a leader of your work area. You're a leader of uh, interacting with your customers, clients, patients, whatever you identify the people that buy or you serve. Um, you add these things, you get rid of that imposter syndrome because everybody struggles with it. doesn't matter what they do. If you can get on top of that and reframe what's coming up into your mind to remind yourself of who the heck you are. Usually I say a, a profane word, but I'm not going to drop that one here. I'll give you a hint. It starts with the letter F. Uh, just remember who the you are because you have accomplished so much in your life um, and you still got a lot to do. And uh, this book and these resources and this course will be a great, great thing for you. So Rico, thank you so much for your time. Like I said, I'll put all that information in the show notes. Really appreciate you. Congratulations on your career thus far and all this amazing work you're continuing to do. No, thank you. I really appreciate it, Michael. And, and yeah, it was great being here. Great chatting with you. Thanks for listening to The Breakfast Leadership Show, part of The Breakfast Leadership Network. Visit breakfastleadership.com for tips on empowering your business and your life.